You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Happy NFL Draft Eve, Penn State fans. This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. I am your host, Kevin McGuire editor of Nittany Lions Wire on the USA Today Sports Media Group, and of course a contributor to AthlonSports.com. Today is Wednesday, April 28th, and of course you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, check out the Locked On Today podcast when you're done with this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. Some fun stuff to get into in today's episode. I'm going to open up with a little bit of a uniform complaint that I have with the Penn State uniform. I know, sacrilegious, but I'm going to get into it. I'm going to share some of my thoughts because I had some fun talking about it on Twitter yesterday, and I want to bring that into the conversation with you guys today. See what you guys think about my uniform take for Penn State. But of course, today we are going to dig a little bit more into the NFL draft. Yesterday, we looked at Micah Parsons and what his draft outlook looks like. Today, we look at Jason Owe, another Nittany Lion who could potentially be hearing his name on Thursday night when the first round in the NFL draft. We'll see what happens here. There's been some changes late in the first round with some trades. We're going to take a look to see how exactly that could potentially impact Jason Owe and where he could potentially be drafted. Take a look at some of the latest up mock drafts to see what the experts are thinking for Jason Owe and share some of my thoughts on what to expect for Jason Owe on Thursday night, maybe Friday. We'll see. And then finally, we're going to wrap up. I want to share a couple quick thoughts on the new college football overtime rule that was officially approved last week. I haven't had a chance to discuss it with you guys. I want to see what you guys have to think about it as well. So when you're done listening to this episode, or as you are listening to this episode, reach out to us on our Twitter account, at LockedOnNittany. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. You can also catch us on Instagram and on Twitch using the same username of LockedOnNittany. Of course, if you want to make sure you never miss a single episode, make sure you're following this podcast for free on your preferred podcasting app. Not only are we on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but we're also on the Odyssey app, so make sure you've updated that on your phone. You can catch us on Stitcher Radio, uh, iHeartRadio, whatever you're using to listen to podcasts. Make sure you're following the Locked on Nittany Lines podcast. And leave those five-star ratings and reviews where applicable. And if you do leave a five-star review, take a screenshot of it and tweet it to us at Locked on Nittany. You'll get a special shout-out later on this week in our Friday five-star segment or five-star Friday segment. I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to say that smoothly, but we will give you a shout-out in appreciation and thanks for all of your support helping us continue to grow this podcast moving forward. Your follows, your readings, your reviews, they really do help us promote the show and grow the show with a better placement across those various podcasting apps. So we really cannot do it without you guys. And we want to show our appreciation for that. So go ahead and do that. All right, that's all out of the way. Let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. The first thing I want to talk about, it's a little bit of a hot take, I think, from my perspective. You have to know this. I'm a little bit of an old school guy when it comes to college football uniforms, and I can be pretty nitpicky when it comes to all the different uniform designs that are thrown out there. And I have certainly had my gripes with a number of college football uniforms we've seen in recent years. You know, take a look at those Maryland uniforms. When they first debuted their state pride uniforms, I was one of the many who kind of lambasted what they were trying to do. I didn't necessarily hate the idea of the concept of Maryland's state flag pride uh, uniform but I don't think it was executed very well when it first rolled out now taking a look at how it has evolved over the years I love it I absolutely love what Maryland does with their uniforms 
Penn State, you know, doesn't do a whole lot with their uniforms. And I am perfectly fine with that. In fact, I love it. That's one of the things I really like about the, the tradition of Penn State football. The uniform is as basic as it gets. <laughs> you, know the, you know the saying, right? Basic blues, basic blacks, whatever it is. Um, there's not a whole lot that you need to do with the Penn State uniform. However, with the announcement that Sean Lee had announced his retirement earlier this week, I got to looking back at some of the photos of Sean Lee's days at Penn State. I shared a photo gallery over on the Alliance Wire if you want to go check that out. And I was quickly reminded that I liked Penn State's uniform before they adapted it and changed it to what they currently wear today. There's only really one noticeable change, right? It's the neckline, right? The neckline, I think they have it on the sleeves too. I don't remember. Uh, but the, the neckline to me, uh, I think it needs to go back to being a white neckline on a blue home jersey, a blue neckline on a white road jersey. To me, I just think there's something missing from the Penn State uniform today. It, it's fine the way it is, but if there's one change I would make, that's what I'm going to go back to. I know some people would say, put the number on the helmet. I don't need the number on the helmet. Uh, I know that they've done that before, and they'll do it for special occasions, and that's cool. And I do like that the fact that they implement that uniform aesthetic into their their legends or their whatever they call their their special uniform that they wear um, you know, when they pay different tributes to various eras of Penn State football. I forget exactly what they call it. I feel ashamed by uh, going blank on that, but. I don't need the number on the helmet the way that Alabama does it. it. It looks cool when they do it, but I don't need that to be a regular feature. But if there's one regular feature, I'm bringing back to the Penn State uniform. It's the neckline. I know it's so simple. It's so uh, silly to even think about it and have a discussion. But I, I put it out there on Twitter. I would love to see Penn State go back to that uniform look. I think it would still look very good today. And there's some people that have some very stark contrasting views on this point of view. And I, I want to know what you guys have to say. So reach out to us on our Twitter account, Locked On Nittany. Do you like the Penn State uniform today? Or do you want to see that neckline return to the uniform? If you're with me, you're on the right side of history, I think. But I do think that uh, regardless of where Penn State goes with the uniform, it's always going to be a classic look. It's always going to be a traditional look. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If there's one other thing I would like to see Penn State do, just once. Go with a matte white helmet. I know another thing that some people are going to roll their eyes. I love the matte helmet look. I think some schools can pull it off really well. I think Penn State could be one of those schools. I don't need the chrome white. I want it this matte finish white. I think that would look pretty cool. Fold it in with the gray face mask. You get an old school look. Add that neckline back to the uniform. And I'm all in, guys. That's what I want to see Penn State do. It just once for me. Just do it once for me. And let's see how it looks. You know what's going to look pretty good in your diet right now? It's going to be the Built Bar. These are the protein bars that taste just like chocolate bars. They've got an amazing assortment of flavors to choose from, and they're always adding more. So you got to follow them on Twitter at bar underscore built and see all the latest flavors that they throw out there. Sometimes they're limited releases. Sometimes they're permanent. The Coconut Puff just came back. It is the ultimate Built Bar, the Built Bar Madness champion, and it is the top Built Bar as far as I'm concerned. I'm ordering a box right after this podcast recording. And I'm going to get that shipment sent to me. And you can do the same. Go check out all the different flavors they have available. Check out everything you want to know about Built Bars. They're great for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight. If you're on a keto diet, you can slide this right into the mix. And it is going to help fill you up 
throughout your day, get you ready for your workout, get you through to your lunch break, whatever the case may be, Built Bar is going to be a delightful treat just for you. So go to BuiltBar.com, check out all the different options available, and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, you'll save 15% off your next order. And while supplies last, they are still going to throw in that free cooler with your purchase, so take advantage of that. One more time, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, save 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. If you missed yesterday's podcast, go back and listen to it because I kind of explored exactly where Micah Parsons, Penn State linebacker who opted out of the 2020 season, where he's potentially going to be going in the 2021 NFL draft. And judging by all the mock drafts that are out there that I have seen, he is absolutely guaranteed to be going somewhere in the first round. We discussed a little bit about how it may hinge on what exactly the Denver Broncos do and whether or not the Broncos feel like they need to draft a quarterback, in which case Justin Fields from Ohio State might fit into the picture but I do think that it's all going to depend on what exactly the Broncos do because if the Broncos pass on Micah Parsons for whatever reason then he falls to a number of different options now Jason Oway is a little bit of a different story there's no guarantee that he is going to be a first round draft pick although his stock has been continuing to rise throughout the course of this offseason put in a phenomenal pro day and now all the mock drafts are starting to escalate him a little bit as we get closer and closer to the draft and we've seen a number of mock drafts slide him into the late first round draft area talking about late picks by the Baltimore Ravens Buffalo Bills I think there was one for the Cleveland Browns somewhere in there uh, can't see Chiefs when they had a first round pick and I'll get back to that in just a second and I even saw one today from the USA Today uh, sports experts that did a mock draft in a video format uh, one of them actually projected that Jason Owe could be going to the reigning Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he would be reunited with Penn State alums Chris Godwin at wide receiver uh, Donovan Smith <laughs> offensive lineman so he would certainly be welcome into the Tampa Bay fold with some Letterman from Penn State's past so that would be a pretty good landing spot and of course Tampa Bay would be pretty interesting because they do not really have a need on the defensive line or the defensive end right now, but it was to give this would give him a good chance to kind of get acclimated, kind of get adjusted, and learn from some veterans that have certainly had an impact with Tampa Bay. And it would be a pretty interesting pick because Tampa Bay doesn't really have a specific need, so you're taking one of the best players on the board, and Jason Owe could potentially be arguably one of the best players on the board. There's certainly a lot of upside potential, room to grow, room to develop. Certainly has a lot of athleticism, a lot of skill that has been put on from his uh, from his pro day. So there's reasons why uh, he has a lot of momentum at the right time. Uh, you know, so the, again, there's no guarantee that he's going to be a first-round pick the way that Micah Parsons seems to be. But there is a lot of momentum from the mock draft uh, landscape that suggests that he could very well be going in the the later first round. Uh, I actually saw one draft or mock draft just as I was getting this podcast ready that sees him going number 25 to the Jacksonville Jaguars who trade with the Rams to get into that number 25 spot. So Jason Owe could potentially be going to Jacksonville who's already going to be drafting Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick and he could be coached by former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer. Uh, Urban Meyer certainly is familiar with Jason Owe and Penn State, uh, having coached against Penn State and obviously been keeping a close eye on everything that Penn State does due to his 
concentration on what Ohio State does. You know, Urban Meyer's got a good keen eye for things that are happening within the Big Ten and some of the best players around the Big Ten. Uh, Jason Oway certainly would be on Urban Meyer's radar, but that was a little bit of an interesting pick that I saw that I haven't seen a lot of people make. Uh, and I forget exactly who had that draft pick. Uh, oh, you know what? It was Peter King. It was Peter King that made that uh, mock draft with Jason Oway going to the Jaguars at number 25. My apologies. Uh, but here's the thing with Jason Oway. All the mock draft or a lot of the mock drafts I saw were suggesting that he would be a late first round pick by either the Baltimore Ravens or potentially the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, recently, the Chiefs traded out of the first round in a pick in a trade with Baltimore. Baltimore actually picking up a second first round pick. So that kind of secured the idea that Jason Owe could very well be going to Baltimore because Baltimore is going to have two late first round picks. It kind of increases the chances that Baltimore might pick Jason Owe with one of their picks late in the first round. But it's not necessarily the guarantee the position that Baltimore would be drafting, or it might depend on what some of the other options available uh, that play defensive end, play edge rusher could potentially be available. Jason Owe is still a very interesting pick for Baltimore, but the idea that Kansas City could have been a landing spot, that is completely out of the table, and that kind of changes the outlook for where Jason Owe could potentially be going. Now, the reason I say that is because Baltimore, now with two late first-round picks, they could package those and maybe move up in the draft and maybe go for a different position. That's kind of the guessing game right now as far as the NFL draft is concerned. Haven't seen a whole lot of discussion suggesting that might be the case, but when you have two first-round picks and maybe you've got an interest in moving up higher for somebody else, there, there could be some trade bait that Baltimore has to linger in front of somebody. Uh, so there's... It's still probably a good chance that Baltimore would be interested in Jason Oway, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a slam dunk. Now, the Buffalo Bills are another team late in the first round that could have a pick that could go towards Jason Oway. I've seen that in a couple mock drafts. Uh, would be a pretty solid landing point, I think, for Jason Oway. Buffalo doesn't necessarily have the kind of needs that they have typically had in recent years through the draft because they have drafted well and they have developed talent well, and they are coming along pretty nicely as a, pr a franchise. But Jason Owe could be a little bit of an athlete that they could slide into that mix and maybe make some plays as well. So there's a interesting possibility there that Buffalo would be a team that'd be very interested in Jason Owe, supposing he is available, I believe, at the number 30 pick, if I'm not mistaken. I could be completely off on that one, but I do think that uh, the Buffalo Bills are certainly a team to keep an eye on. Certainly the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Tampa Bay still could be in the mix as well. And like Peter King is suggesting, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, because of the trade that the Chiefs made to get out of the first round and the idea that maybe Baltimore would be using their two picks to maybe make another move or maybe potentially you know, focus their draft area somewhere else, Jason Owe is a player that if he doesn't go very early or very late in the first round, He's clearly going to be going early in the second round. I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, anticipation that Jason Owe is going to have to wait too long if he doesn't go in the first round. I see him as an early second round pick at the worst. And we can go back to Jacksonville real quick because if Jacksonville doesn't trade to get to that number 25 spot, you know, they're going to have the first pick of the second round. So it's very possible that Jason Owe could be the first pick in the second round. But I don't think he's going to have to wait very long because the way that things have been going this offseason, I, I do think the, the, the tea leaves are suggesting that Jason Owe is going to be a relatively early pick in the second round at the worst. 
So he's in a pretty good spot. He could very well be a first round pick. If not, he's going to be an early second round pick by all indications. Uh, but the momentum is there. The mock draft experts are saying first round for Jason Oway. Not all, not all of them, not unanimous like Micah Parsons, but there's enough there from some notable mock drafters out there. Uh, Mel Kuyper was the one that had Jason Owe going to Kansas City, so uh, I don't think he's going to be in Mel Kuyper's updated mock draft if he has an updated one. I haven't seen it as I'm recording this, but I, I think Jason Owe is going to be a early second round pick. I, I would feel more comfortable suggesting that that's guaranteed to happen. But I think that late first round is absolutely on the table, and he's got all the momentum at the perfect time leading into Thursday night with the first round of the NFL draft. And if you're looking for some prop bets to have some fun while watching the first round of the NFL draft, what better place to go than Bet Online? That's right, Bet Online, they are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action, including a whole list of prop bets for the NFL draft, including the first round. How many draft picks are going to come out of the Big Ten? The over-under is set at 6.5. I said in yesterday's podcast that I'm going with the under, and you know what? I'm going to stick with that. I'm still going with the under at 6.5 for Big Ten draft picks in the first round. Going to be a lot of players from Alabama. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, they're non-SEC, non-Big Ten players taking up a couple spots. Might be pretty tough for the Big Ten to get that over 6.5, but you know what? Jason Oway, late first-round pick, could put the Big Ten over. Could be a fun prop bet to spice things up on Thursday night as you go into the late night action. So again, all the sports odds and news are available for you on betonline.ag, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA action, and again, all the prop bets for the NFL draft. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head to their website right now on your laptop or your desktop or even on your mobile device, betonline.ag. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on top of your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, brace yourself, folks, because college football overtime has been changed officially. Earlier this week, the NCAA rules panel officially approved various rule modifications to the overtime structure in an effort to make games shorter with fewer plays for players and, of course, reaching a conclusion to a game faster than dragging things on and alternating possessions back and forth starting at the 25-yard line. If you remember originally when Penn, uh, when college football went to overtime, you were going to have alternating possessions starting at the 25-yard line until a winner was determined. And if you reached a third overtime, rather than kicking extra points, you were going to be required to go for two-point conversions in an effort to finally draw some kind of a conclusion. Now, that was all well and good, at least we thought. And then LSU and Texas A&M played about 17,000 overtimes, scored a bazillion points, and all of a sudden the NCAA had a panic attack. So what did they do? They modified the overtime rules. One of the biggest changes that was made at the time was rather than alternating possessions beginning at the 25-yard line, starting in the fifth overtime, if you ever got to that, you were actually going to trade two-point conversion attempts. So you were going to be snapping up or lining up for one play, going for two points. If you got it, great. Force the other team to make it as well. And then you would just go back and forth with two-point conversion tries rather than full possessions. Well, the changes have been made once again, and now that policy is going to be moved up to the third overtime. So if a college football game gets into a third overtime, you're not going to be trading possessions. You're going to be trading two-point conversion attempts. No touchdowns required. These are free two-point conversion attempts, and they go back and forth with two-point plays until a winner can be determined. Also, 
one of the changes that's being made. Two-point conversions after touchdowns will begin in the second overtime. It used to be the third overtime. Obviously, with changing the third overtime rule. Now you're bumping that two-point conversion attempt after touchdowns up to the second overtime if you get that far. So there you go. The, the rules have been made. The rules are designed with player safety in mind in, in an effort to speed up the course of the game. Now, honestly, I love the drama of an overtime game that just will not end. I understand there is some concern about what that means for the, the physicality of the players and their stamina, but I, again, at the same time, this is such a rare instance. Yeah, I know Penn State has been a part of a couple multi-overtime games, including the Orange Bowl against Florida State way back when. You had the, the Penn State-Michigan game from a few years back where Christian Hackenberg tosses up to Allen Robinson, comes down with his signature catch to help set up the game tying score. People kind of forget sometimes that Allen Robinson didn't even score on that touchdown. He just came very close to uh, knocking on the doorstep. Nonetheless, it was a monumental play in the career of Allen Robinson. To this day, it's something he's very proud of. But you also had the LSU-Texas A&M game that just continued to drag on and rack up points after points after points because neither team could play defense. That's the biggest problem. If you don't have two teams that are going to play defense, these games can drag on. And eventually that defense is going to have to make a play or uh, the offense is going to have to make a mistake. And, you know, that's part of the drama of college football overtime. Now, Way back when, of course, there was no college football overtime. This is still a relatively new thing if you're talking about the grand course of college football history. And to me, there's actually more drama in not having an overtime at all. Now, I still think that having an overtime makes sense. I want to avoid possibilities of ties. I understand the, the old school logic of uh, the value of a tie or the, the, the damage a tie can have. But to me, in sports, you have to have a winner and a loser. I don't really like having ties. You know, soccer, fine, whatever. You know, the, the soccer does their own thing. But as far as football is concerned, I think you have to have a winner and a loser when all is said and done. Otherwise, everybody goes home and you feel like nothing was accomplished. And I feel like that's a detriment to sports in general. Uh, again, soccer lives by its own rules. That's fine. But I think in college football, we need to have some sort of overtime. Now, the debate will continue to be who has the better overtime, the NFL or college football. And quite honestly, I don't know if either has the perfect overtime solution. I don't know if there is a perfect overtime solution, but I like the way that college football does it. Uh, I think the NFL, it works for them. I really feel like college and the NFL can have different overtime rules and it's perfectly fine. I like the way that college football does it. I like the way the NFL does it. I would probably change a couple things in both. You know, for example, in college football, I don't even think I would be bothering with exchanging two-point conversion plays. Although, I think when we see it actually play out, I think it's going to be pretty fun to watch because you're going to be trading back and forth two-point plays one after another. The drama is still going to be there. There's no question about that. Who cares about the score is once you get into overtime or how many overtimes you play? You know, the drama of one play, it all comes down to one play, really, uh, back and forth. That can be pretty enticing, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Again, I'm sitting here looking at these rules thinking, I don't think you needed to make any of these changes, but at the same time, I kind of want to see it. I kind of want to see how it's all going to play out. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch whenever that situation does arise. So again, going into the third overtime is when you're going to start exchanging two-point conversion plays. The two-point conversions after touchdowns will be starting in the second overtime. Should be pretty interesting. Let me know what you think about these new overtime rules in college football. If you have any questions about it, let me know too. We can address that and maybe follow up a little bit with that conversation on the next episode of the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast.
That's going to do it for today's episode. A reminder that tomorrow, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Make sure you are subscribed to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft beginning Thursday, April 29th through May 1st. We're going to have every angle of this draft covered. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to want to be paying attention and staying along and enjoying the conversation along the way. Should be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Of course, if you missed the Ultimate Mock Draft on the podcast feed last week, go ahead and binge listen to the entire thing. You still have time between now and the start of the draft to get all caught up and see which NFL team is going to draft Michael Parsons according to one of our Locked On NFL hosts. Check that out. Have some fun with that. And, of course, leave those five-star ratings and reviews for the Ultimate Mock Draft. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews for Locked On Nittany Lions. We're available on every podcasting app, including the Odyssey app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe, follow along on whatever podcasting app you prefer, and leave a five-star rating and review. Take a screenshot of that and tweet it to us on our Twitter account, at Locked On Nittany. We'll give you a special shout-out on the Friday episode. It'll be the five-star Friday shout-out, so make sure you send along your five-star reviews so we know to give you guys your special props at the end of the week. And what better way to go into the weekend than following the NFL Draft coverage, getting a shout-out on Locked on Nittany Lines, and following us on Twitter. So again, to recap, make sure you're following us on whatever podcasting app you prefer. Leave those ratings and reviews. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. Give us a like on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Locked on Nittany. And check us out on Instagram and on Twitch using the username Locked on Nittany. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. Check out NittanyLionsWire.com on the USA Today Sports Media Group for continuing Penn State coverage and discussion over there. And, of course, we're going to have the draft covered there as well. You can also catch me on Athlon Sports as a contributor. And, of course, I also have the Patreon, patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire. That's enough out of me. Go enjoy the rest of your NFL Draft Eve. Make sure you leave the milk and cookies out for Mel Kuyper. And, of course, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Going to be a busy day. Going to be a fun day. Looking forward to the NFL Draft. Looking forward to covering it and discussing it with you. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.